This is SEO Snippets episode 10 for April 6, 2020. Today we're covering just one article by the Nielsen Norman Group. It's called How People Read Online New and Old Findings. This one can get dense, but it is absolutely worth a sit and the wait and the listen to get to the nuggets and the gold in this because uh, I think if uh, you listen closely, this is going to change the way that you uh, structure your content online and potentially maybe uh, key you into some facts of how you read content online and, and maybe change some of your habits or, or get you observing some of those habits. So a little bit of human behavior, a little bit of uh, personal human behavior, I suppose, uh, in this one uh, that I think makes it really, uh, really interesting as an article. Enjoy. How People Read Online, New and Old Findings. This is written by Kate Moran on April 5th of 2020, and it's posted on the Nielsen Norman Group website. It's under their article section, uh, under articles, how people read online. Uh, that's a, a dash between uh, each one of those words. Otherwise, link is always in the show notes. Please check it out. Uh, this one's a very interesting one, goes into though all those established studies and reader habits that you've heard about probably as a, as a marketer or as an SEO or maybe just somebody in business you've heard it in passing because you, you might read Forbes or other places where you know there's a lot of mishmashing of ideas here and things are mentioned to, to make a point somewhere else. Um, anyway, it looks here like there's been a new study done to confirm the changes or the shifts or, or, or not in the behaviors of people when they read content online. And I thought, although this is a bit of tangential to, I guess, SEO, etc., super important for us to, to cover if you're a marketer or a business owner or SEO or whatever, because you wanna know how people are consuming or gonna consume content so you can plan for it on your own website and blog. So there will be some, I'm gonna read some parts here and I'm gonna try and skip some parts because it is a long article. So let's jump in. Uh, so Nielsen says here, uh, the Nielsen blog, I guess, says here, we've been saying this since 1997. People rarely read online. They're far more likely to scan than read word for word. That's one fundamental truth of online information seeking behavior that hasn't changed in 23 years and which has substantial implications for how we create digital content. The reason why that finding and other dis discussed here is still true is because it's based on basic human behavior. Even though massive technology shifts have changed some behaviors, many of our original findings about how people read online remain true, even after 20 plus years. So the methodology here is eye tracking software. If you've not heard of eye tracking software, basically software sits on a computer or you know they ask people specifically if they can put it on there uh, to, to look at where their eye movements are going and matches that up with relative position on the screen so that you can say okay you know, he looked at this first and then that second and that third and then went back to point one and over to point five and then etc etc so it follows and tracks your eye movements to show relative position of what you were paying attention to at the time so it says here eye tracking equipment tracks a user's gaze as she uses an interface this type of research is valuable for many purposes, including evaluating visual design, but is particularly useful for studying what people do and don't read online. Most of the studies discussed below 
contained both quantitative and qualitative portion. Now I'm going to cover these bits because I think it's important to understand that this isn't skewed towards particularly one thing or the other or it isn't uh, uh, meant to be, uh, but read the article yourself and you be the judge. Uh, it says here, in quantitative eye tracking studies, researchers aggregate viewing behavior across a large number of participants. In qualitative eye tracking studies, researchers analyze individual users' viewing behaviors through gaze spots and gaze relays. Replays, sorry. So, a little bit different. So, quantitative includes heat maps and gaze metrics. For example, the average number of fixations on a particular element of interest in the interface. For example, I would say the average number of times you looked back at an image on a page. Uh, but in qualitative, in many cases, we ask participants to bring their own tasks for work, school or personal life to perform for this part of the session. So obviously they ask people to bring their own stuff and they, they analyze their specific viewing behavior and their specific gaze plots for certain things. Whereas quantitative was much larger. I would say that's closer to your um, hot jar type of things. So I'm gonna skip down here to what's changed because that's a bit we're really after, right? So, since 2006, the ways we present language have changed. So, new layouts and new patterns obviously affect how we consume content. It says responsive design means that content can be displayed flexibly depending on the window width or device size. As a consequence, some advice we gave in 2006 no longer applies. So, for example, they, they recommend in 2006 having liquid layout. Uh, instead of a fixed layout. I'm gonna tell you right now, I have no idea what that means. I was too young to understand it at the time. <laughs> so, uh, I couldn't, un couldn't unfortunately help there. I was only 16, I believe. Uh, so, I'm not sure what a liquid layout was. It's a bit before my expertise area um, started. Um, but the point remains, I guess, that now we have devices and changing screen types, we see that uh, the way people consume is different. So. Um, they go on and say, additionally, the rise in popularity of comparison tables and zigzag layouts has coincided with the development of a new gaze pattern. On pages which, with dis, uh, distinct cells of content, people often process those cells in lawnmower pattern. They begin in the top left cell, move to the right until the end of the row, then drop down to the next row, move to the left until the end of the row, then drop down to the next row. So uh, you can imagine you've got nine boxes on the screen, you're gonna go, box one is gonna be the most leftmost top one, and you're gonna go left to right to box three, and then you're gonna go straight down to the box immediately under box three, uh, which will be box four, and you'll go from the right to the left. So basically if you numbered the leftmost boxes, you'd have uh, one, four, and five as the leftmost three boxes from top to bottom, uh, and you zigzag across, hence the name lawnmower or you know, zigzag pattern. So that's a new, a relatively new way that people consume content now because it's become very common for people uh, since 2006 to, to left, right, left, right, left, right to get people, I guess it, it broke up the pattern at the time and it got people to look around, uh, but that's speculation on my part and not something that they've particularly said. Um, but I would say that, that that's what's really affected that in my opinion. Uh, so moving on, it says complex search result pages have also obviously changed the patterns that we have. So uh, this might get a bit dense as well, but it says here, we found that users are scanning SERP search engine result pages much less linearly than they used to. 
So instead of going top to bottom and, and reading it like a book, I would say, they're using now, we're using now what they call a pinball pattern. And a pinball pattern really describes random movements around the page because there are so much elements. If you think of a SERP result page, you've got your search box at the top with your little whatever you typed in. Then you might have underneath it, now you might have uh, one to three ads, and then underneath it you might have some traditional blue organic links. But you've also got an image pack now with, with images across the middle. You might have on the right side a, a knowledge graph that shows you the entity that you're looking for. So it might be Nike and it'll show you pictures of Nike on the side and their social media and a little Wikipedia excerpt about the product, uh, about the brand, sorry. And then uh, you might show, they might all show, show uh, you know, one or two blue links and then underneath one or two blue links again will be some news articles. So it's saying here the pinball pattern basically is our response to trying to process all that information at once where we're quickly darting our eyes around the page to say, okay, well, that's relevant, that's relevant, that's relevant. Uh, I might come back and look at that. What else here is on the page that I'm gonna look at, etc., etc. So it's very random, uh, but it's, it's, it's random. I, I suppose it's random in a way that is structured too, because you know we understand what all those beats are for. We're just, we're searching that page, I guess, for what is most relevant to us and our intention right now. Um, and Google's surfacing all these different elements to try and hit that, um, you know, to try and get something that hooks us for our search, search intent. So pinball, you're darting your eyes around the page. Lawn mower, you're starting uh, on the leftmost box of content and you're going left to right, then you're going immediately down on the right and then right to left and then immediately down the left and left to right again. So they're the two uh, new patterns that they're talking about so far. Uh, it says here, beyond shifting gaze patterns, these SERP features also had immense impacts on information seeking behavior. It says SERP features can, one, act as signpost. Uh, the imagery can help us quickly verify that uh, we're searching for the right entity that we're looking for, whatever the thing is we typed in that Google got it correct. Uh, two, it can, act as the, it can act to direct the user's attention. So SERP features have heavy visual uh, weight on the page, which pull the user's gaze into, in, in different directions. Uh, three, SERP features modify queries and tasks. So some SERP features like the people also ask element uh, or the carousel enable Google to present several expanded interpretations of the query. So potentially I would say, especially when it's a, a very short query, Nike, or you're going to type in marathons. Uh, it's going to add those bits to try and clarify what did you want to know. Or, or the fourth point they have here is uh, SERP features can provide quick answers. And that makes a lot of sense. You've got your uh, featured snippet which provides definitions very often and other bits of information. Now, uh, they did do these studies across uh, China and the US. Uh, there's some interesting uh, findings for China here if you're interested in that. Uh, basically, a lot of the pattern behavior uh, was almost identical between China and the USA. So showing that there are, you know, many, I guess, cross-cultural differences between the two, but maybe not so much in how we consume content online, uh, at least to some degree. Uh, they say here, the only exception was the pinball pattern. Uh, out of more than 60 in instances of search, they say that we observed only one instance of the pinball pattern on a Baidu SERP. So that's really particularly interesting if you do work with Baidu, that pinball pattern may not be as pre prevalent there. 
Uh, the reasoning they think that is is that there's fewer SERP features uh, per query than Google or that the features are not as attractive in Baidu as they are in Google as well as they're smaller um, and they, they have fewer images so less to draw that eye or that the sidebar elements um, contain ads and links aren't as relevant as Google has been able to make them so far. Uh, so uh, additionally there's at least three major differences between web use in the US and China as well that may affect that is also culture, uh, the character set, so the Latin alphabet versus the, the denser Chinese writing system and different sites and services with different designs including a tendency for Chinese sites to have a higher design complexity than Western sites. Now I'm not sure what exactly they mean by that. They do have a link in this article where I think you can check that out. So if you do deal with Baidu, um, maybe go and check it out. Or if you don't deal with Baidu and you may want to, or Chinese marketing, you may want to know what is a different design complexity. Um, check that link out because I mean I might dig into that myself. That sounds really cool. Uh, what is design complexity in that in that regard? Moving on. Um, Taking those instances into account, those differences into account, sorry, they say it's really striking that the reading behaviors are quite, quite similar. Um, so new content elements have, have instituted a change as well. They say that compared to 2006, when they last did a study of this, three types of content have gained popularity. Tables, including comparison tables. Two, inline elements, such as pull quotes and ads. And three, user-generated content, such as reviews and posts. Now, pay attention to this part because this part is really, really interesting. And this, I think, has some very good implications for how you structure your content uh, on your own website or blog. So, uh, they say here, as a result, our latest research uncovered behaviors and preferences around these content elements. For example, while both pull quotes and inline messages so pull quotes are those big quoted sections that you'll see very often on news sites. Pull quotes and inline messages received fixations in our study. We also noticed that they tended to disrupt reading. Several participants began reading articles nearly linearly and completely until they hit a pull quote or inline ad. After reaching one of those elements, the participants abandoned their reading and fell into light scanning. So there you go. So uh, what are the implications of that, right? If you think that through, having pull quotes or inline ads within my content, like every website that you've scanned through uh, before has, uh, it disrupts reading and it makes people go, okay, well, you know what? If you're gonna, you know, uh, pull me out of that focus that I've got in this article, I'm gonna just skim to try and find what's relevant and get the heck out of here because you've interrupted potentially my enjoyment of it or my focus in it or something. I would say very often too, from my personal experience, those pull quotes seem to be like really out of whack with where you're reading. You get a quote that's from a, a, a paragraph that's five paragraphs ago or not gonna come up for three paragraphs, which means I've gotta think extra about like, did I just miss something? Do I have to go back or forward? Uh, and that that's always pulled me out personally. So I don't know, maybe you've had something similar happen to you or you hit one or two ads or, or those inline videos or something is, I'm done with it. Give me what I wanna know and let me out of here. So um, those are the things that have changed. So we know that uh, pinball and lawnmower pattern are very different to the way they used to be. We know that uh, the browsing for Baidu uh, is slightly different to what it is for Google. Uh, we have some potential reasons for that, but uh, we're not quite sure. One of them being 
maybe design complexity uh, being uh, higher in the Chinese market, uh, but we're not quite sure on that. And, and the guy, the Nielsen, doesn't really go into here um, the likelihood of that. They just say it's a potential factor. So if we know that those things have changed, what hasn't changed? The tendency towards scanning content hasn't changed. So uh, people still usually want to scan content online. Uh, light scanning is a primary method used to process information online. The amount of time any individual user is willing to spend reading depends on four factors. Number one, the level of motivation. Number two, the type of task. Number three, the level of focus. And number four, personal characteristics. So you might think that, okay, planning that into your uh, actual funnel and where content sits in your funnel might be very important to you. People who are very um, focused in trying to get really in-depth in information because they're further down the funnel may be more likely to pref uh, preference that very long form approach whereas your people who are on top of funnel who are looking to just get one or two facts and get the heck out of there for now um, maybe you might want to aim closer towards tables and things like that that can or dot points and embolding text to help uh, facilitate that quick scanning of information even though people will leave you you may end up yourself with a better brand I guess sentiment uh, at least from that first touch point so that you know people keep coming back in the future and that's just my reading between the lines here uh, so it says as in 2006 content creators need to accept this fact people are not likely to read your content completely or linearly so good point completely or linearly so they're going to skip up and down for what they want and they probably won't finish it word for word start to finish so it says we can design content that supports scanning by one using clear noticeable headings and subheadings two placing information up front in other words front loading you the structure of your content number three employing formatting techniques like bulleted lists and bold text number four using plain language to keep content concise and clear so, very important points. I'm actually probably going to finish it up here. Um, I'm going to finish it up with this last quote from him because I think this is this, a great summation of it all. People don't want to waste time or effort online. As long as we're designing content that acknowledges that reality and helps to direct people to only the information they want, we'll be on the right track. Uh, and this is from the people who just did the study about it. So, look, I would take that as some form of at least, you know, gospel light gospel I don't know there's no light gospel maybe but I would take that as some form of strong recommendation uh, make sure that you're looking at that in your funnels you're looking at that uh, in general across your website and maybe I think this is probably a really underutilized area looking at that on your home page or sales pages because it's very commonly done on our blog posts right on our uh, content that we want to get used for link building and, and things like that but it's not very commonly used in my inter in my experience on our homepage and our uh, key sales pages it's very much you know let's give them uh, at least the click funnels thing that seems to start to become a craze in the last few years is dump them with information until they're so overwhelmed that they just click yes and they pay us the two dollars um, to, to just be free of our content trying to decipher it all so maybe going the other way we should be setting a trend for that and we should be really uh, contesting those sorts of uh, I would say pretty grey slightly shady behaviours 
Anyway, I hope that has helped you. That article has been How People Read Online, New and Old Findings by Nielsen Norman Group. Link is in the show notes. Please check it out. Super, super important. If you're SEO, marketer, content writer, business owner, whatever. If you've got a website, I believe you should check this out. Uh, thank you for listening. My name is Patrick. Uh, my, you can find me on Twitter at PatrickHerbert0. I would love to hear your feedback. Uh, feel free to send me anything you think I should cover. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.